I'm Cindy Boxer, and you are listening to the Fiber Artist Podcast, where we chat with artists, makers, and creatives who work with fiber, get to know their stories, how they came upon their fiber practice, and more about the person behind the work. Uh, hello. Hi, are you out there? It's me, Cindy. Uh, it's hard to believe, but I guess it's been about 18 months since I last recorded an episode, which is really me saying that it's been about that long since I've had an in-depth one-on-one conversation. This pandemic has been so weird and so tough on so many people. Uh, We discussed it a little bit on this episode, how it's affected us personally and emotionally, And um, I have to tell you, I have really been dragging my feet on releasing this episode. And it's not because of the conversation or that it was bad or anything like that. It's quite the opposite. I love the conversation we had. Um, But I have not wanted to record this intro. Um, The thing is that I have been wanting to be more transparent with you since you spend a lot of time listening and getting to know me and my guests. So I guess here goes. Um, I found out about two weeks ago, which is just a few days after we recorded this pod, um, I found out that a childhood friend of mine died. And then I found out that she took her own life. And it completely rocked my world because it was so unexpected. I, I had no idea that she suffered from debilitating depression. She seemed really quite happy and bubbly on Facebook. And Um, you know, that's the only way I'd actually kept in touch with her since we were little. Um, it just really seemed to come out of left field because I didn't have a real time connection with her. And it got me thinking about how we can never truly know anyone or what's going on in their interior, but that we can try and listen and reach out more, especially in real life, reach out to friends and family that we haven't been, um, talking to, or just people that you've lost connection with. And um, it also occurred to me that so many of us use our, our fiber practice as a form of healing, a way to self-soothe or a form of self-care that um, maybe you might be hurting and struggling. And especially now with crazy, I don't know, what's happening in the world, uncertainty about the future, climate change or COVID and isolating because of the pandemic. Who knows? There's so many reasons. But, you know, I know it's been a particularly hard and stressful time. And I've been thinking about how I can be of help or service. And I'm just hoping, I guess, that this podcast is comforting for you. And I'm I'm hoping that I can be more diligent about recording episodes and reaching out to people that I've been wanting to talk to. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping these conversations that I have here will help you feel connected in a way that makes you feel less alone. And, um, you know, if you have any Sherry's, Sherry's, if you have any stories or you want to share, or you have questions you like to ask, shoot me an email at the fiber artist podcast at gmail.com. Um, fiber is spelled with an E R not the French or European way. It's the fiber artist podcast at gmail.com. And now today's guest is the wonderful Ashton Zager. You might recognize her from Instagram or from one of her many weaving classes. She has a fabulous ebook called Weaving in the Round, and she's working on a second book. You can actually get early access to the content she's creating for it from uh, on her Patreon, along with a host of other 
awesome offerings like a one-on-one weaving help or business coaching. Um, you know, a lot of you also might know that Ashton went through something extremely traumatic, uh, about two years ago. And we talk a little bit about that. And, um, and there's also a part where I was going to cut it out because this was supposed to be released earlier, but now that she's announced it, I don't have to cut it out. So you can hear everything that we chat about, um, as if no one was listening, but, uh, so anyway, uh, without further ado, Ashton Zager, you can reach her at AshtonZagerFiberArt.com on Instagram at AshtonZagerFiberArt and on Patreon at Patreon.com slash AshtonZagerFiberArt. I hope you enjoy our conversation. But okay, I'm good. Actually, How are you doing? I'm good. I'm going to do all that. You know what? I'm rusty and nervous, to be completely <laughs> honest, um, because I haven't really talked to another human in a year and a half. I mean, that's what it feels like, right? <laughs> yes. Um, yes, it does. Except when we got on, I was like, this is actually our first time chatting, isn't it? And it didn't feel that way. So Totally. I know. It's weird because I obviously, like, I feel like I know you through Instagram. And, yes. Um, but I will say lately, I just, I don't know. Instagram is so weird. So Mm-hmm. I kind of post and run. I feel a little bad about that, but um, it's just like, I, I don't know. I feel very overwhelmed by it, um, mm-hmm. you know, and like guilty in a way because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not paying enough attention to people, but also if I spend all my time there, then I feel really crappy. So yes. it's really hard to balance, which, you know, we can get into all that. I mean, I'm we, we, we've basically started. We're recording. We've been recording oh, since the beginning, which I hope is okay with you. We used to do this whole thing where I would clap and start it, but now I just kind of feel like coming in organically is better. Yes. So, yeah. I feel that and agree. Yeah. And yeah, I, I feel like I feel, I feel like I feel <laughs> somewhat similarly towards social media. I definitely go in and out in waves, like where it's like Instagram is really fun and then Instagram is really taxing and yeah, I just like sometimes I feel like an a-hole sometimes. I'm like, sometimes I do feel like investing in people and having conversations. And sometimes I don't care about anyone. Yeah, no, that's completely it, though. I mean, it's, I guess that's just a part of being human, right? Yeah. I mean, We're I don't know. not always going to have the capacity to... Engage. I don't know, like engage. Yeah. yeah. And like invest in people that aren't in your actual real life face. I know. I know. It's really weird. But there was, there was definitely a time where I was so happy being on it all the time. And I feel like, I don't know. I just don't feel like I have that much more, like that much to say anymore. I don't know what it is. Um, Mm -hmm. Which I guess is this whole, this whole pandemic too. Uh, So I was looking back at the dates from my last, welcome, welcome to the Fiber Arts Podcast. (laughs) Which hasn't been recorded in a year and a half. And thank you, Ashton, for being the first person to come back after, uh, during this relaunch this or whatever. This is like almost a career dream. Like oh, I've loved this podcast so for forever. Funny. So oh. I'm honored. Thanks for asking. Oh God, of course. I, I have to be honest. I've been thinking about it for a really long time that I, I've been wanting to talk to you. Um, but... I also know that there are going to be some topics that are really sensitive and hard, and I didn't know if you'd be ready to talk about anything. And, but you know, I think I, I 
think that a lot of people would love to hear what's going on with you and your story and your whole journey because it's been such an incredible thing to watch, mainly for for me on Instagram um, because you're such an open book. But I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that you also keep, you know, private too. But um, God, so where do we even start? Well, first up top, why don't you first (laughs) up top, we'll do the official stuff. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Ashton Zager Fiber Art. Um, I have a website, AshtonZagerFiberArt.com. And I have a Facebook, but I don't really mess with the Facebook. All my Instagram stuff just kind of goes on to that. So okay. it's mainly Instagram where you can find me. Great. Um, and I think I've known of your work. Um, I was trying to think back, like maybe 2017. So I moved to... This is how everything in my life is separated from like when I lived in Jersey City to when I moved to Sparta. So like we moved in October 2017 to Sparta. So I feel like I knew of you right around then. But um, that sounds right. I I started weaving in 2000. 15. 15. Um, but it was like December 2015, and I didn't. I probably didn't start playing with like rope and stuff until late 2016. So 2017 probably really was like the first time I made a purchase from you or something like that. Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, I don't know if it was a purchase, but I think like when people start to gain some traction on Instagram and then, you know, like you just see people. Yeah. Um, But well, so let's go back to 2015. How did you end up getting into weaving in your fiber practice? I found weaving on Pinterest. It was a very random endeavor. I was making Christmas presents and wanted to make like a little crafty something for everybody that was different. And I decided to make a wall hanging for my sister. And um, yeah, I found this tutorial. It was actually written by Rachel Denbo. Um, oh, nice. And it, it was on a beautiful mess. She um, she like writes for them sometimes, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I, I didn't even know that it was Rachel Dembo until like, I don't know, a year or so into weaving. And I was like, I should look back so that I can credit that person. And I was like, oh, it's Rachel Dembo. And I love her work. And that's so funny that she was the writer. Um, I know. Yeah, I actually I didn't. It. I didn't know about her beautiful messed up until I interviewed her for this podcast. And I was like, wait a minute. Because she was like, she like almost found, she sort of founded it, um, yeah. the, the site with them. So, yeah. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. So yeah, that was just kind of it. I went to make one weaving for a Christmas present and I really enjoyed it. And so I kept making them and six plus years later, here we are. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Right. Can you believe it's been that long? (laughs) No, no, I actually can't because I can't believe I've been an adult that long. I know. And that's really what it was. I was... I was 22 when we started, so I guess I'm 29 now. Oh my god! I don't know. Time, you're a baby. <laughs> I am a baby. <laughs> I know you're an adult, but for an old lady like no, me, I'm an adult I feel baby. Like it's so okay. Young. I feel that way. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, um, so were you working at the time, or was this like did you, did you end up just going full? you know, fully into weaving or how did it work? Oh no. Me? Yeah. I was, I was working, I was working as a chef at a young oh. life camp, um, in, here in Asheville. And yeah, it for sure was not like, it, at first it wasn't even anything that I thought I would make money off of. It was just a fun new little hobby that I was doing. And then, um, I did like a pop-up like six months in at a West Elm outlet here. 
Um, Cause I'd seen another fiber artist do that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that would be so cool to sit in a West Elm and sell my weavings. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't have even called it my work yet or like my art yet. I'd have been like my weavings, my, my, my things that I make. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I went kind of full time when my older son Louis was eight months old, which would have been May 2017. Yes, Louis Babs turned five. So May 2017, I left that job as a chef at the Young Life Camp um, and decided to go all in. The business was not like, it was not at that time producing anything that gave me a reason to try to think that it would be a legitimate income, Mm -hmm. but I wanted it to be. And I wanted to be home with Louis and that job was not it just wasn't working anymore for me um and so it was more of just a big I can't keep doing what I'm doing more than it was like I want to move on to something else it was like I just have to stop this and hope for this other thing and um yeah I feel like most of that first year of pursuing it full-time I still wasn't profiting much I mean I might profit a couple hundred dollars a month, but it was just a year of investing time, money, energy, ideas. Um, I also got pregnant again during that year on accident with Hank, my younger. Um, and yeah, so obviously that, that first year was like a really, really big year. And then when Hank was born, um, things were kind of turning to be more legitimate. That's when I wrote my ebook, Weaving in the Round. Um, I wrote it and produced it while I was pregnant with him. And then I launched it November, 2019, 18, 2018. Um, cause that was just a couple months after he was born. And I cannot believe, yeah. first of all, that you had the, what do we even call it? Is it grit? Nerve. I don't know. No, it's not <laughs> I mean, how did you even think it would be possible? Because you know those things feel insurmountable when you look at them uh, just from like the big picture. It's like, oh my God, how would I put out a book? How would I How would I self-publish? All this stuff. So what made you, um, I don't know, what sort of lit the fire under your ass to make that happen? Well, you have to remember – the weaving world was not what it is right now, mm-hmm. even then. I feel like I came into the weaving game just after some of the big guys did. Hello Hydrangea, Marianne Moody, like just a year or two after they did. But even so, they weren't necessarily like Instagram famous yet. Right. Um, so I like started just after they did, but obviously they were moving at a pace where they went way past me. And then, so I think I was just kind of looking at those people and I didn't feel that I was too far behind them. I was, but also it wasn't so explosive that it is now. So I think that there was a little bit of that. Like I still felt like the pool was not ginormous and that kind of gave me a little bit of, I don't know, nerve, like to think that, that, uh, I don't know that I could, that I could have a name in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if I was starting nowadays, it would feel totally different. Um, it would, it would definitely feel like so many things had already been done, mm-hmm. but there were things that hadn't been done yet. There weren't a million eBooks. There weren't people. I mean, like 
there weren't that many published books. I feel like so many people have come and made actual published books in the last five years. Oh yeah. And that wasn't really happening yet. This was before Hella Janja had made her books, like her physical books. She'd made, I think just like one or two of her eBooks. Mm-hmm. Um, now she has a gajillion, but she, she wasn't there yet. And so it was, it was still this new thing. I felt like I could put some skin in the game. And also I started with round weaving and no one was really doing that. Um, Rainy of unusual pair had just released her round weaving looms, which was the first time I had ever seen round weaving at all. And I remember I purchased one of those looms and made a round weaving within an hour of getting it because I was so excited to try it. I posted on Instagram and someone bought it within another hour. And that was an incredible feeling. That's awesome. That That's when you I, know, like, like you're like, I have loom. something. I have something. Here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And now I'm like, weaving wasn't even good. It was like a close friend that bought it from me. But like that action mattered so mm-hmm. much. Like it probably gave me a not real level of confidence, <laughs> like a confidence that was not based on something that was as huge as I felt that it was. But right. it felt huge. And I had the, um, I had the same experience with a friend commissioning a work really early on and I was like really and then yeah yeah and that was and that but you're right it's such as it is significant even if mm-hmm. it's a friend whatever it's it is real yeah. you know and it just yeah like that little boost of com- exactly yeah that validates you and it gives you that boost of confidence to say you know what I, I do think I have something here yes yeah and then I taught round weaving in person which was also sort of coincidental I have a friend that runs women's retreats Mm -hmm. and she asked if I would teach at one of her events but I had a really short time frame I think I had like an hour and a half and so I was like well I don't want to teach regular weaving because that's just not enough time I'm going to go with round weaving and teaching that in-person workshop I was like this is actually so nice to introduce someone who's brand new, never done any weaving, isn't even actually interested in it. They were just here for the retreat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this workshop was kind of forced onto them. It just came with the package. But people loved it and really enjoyed it. And they were proud of themselves. They were like, I would have never thought to do something like that. And you made it so easy. And that was such a great feeling. And so at that workshop, I was like, I'm going to write an ebook. I've been like thinking about doing that because I just think it's a smart like business thing. I'm seeing a couple people do it. I'm going to write an ebook on round weaving. No one has that yet. So all of that is kind of, you know, it's like a million events that pushed me onto that path and made it feel just right. And um, yeah, I... To this day, still only have the one dang ebook. I should have made more by now, but they're so much work. And in that, I'm like, that idea came in the right season. Like when I had the right time, the right energy, the right friends that were available to help me produce it. Now those same friends are like, I can't do that again. I don't got the time. Right, <laughs> and I'm like, right. that's okay. So yeah, all of this time later is why it's, there's a lot of reasons why it hasn't happened yet. Um, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, it's happening. <laughs> it takes so much time and work um, that I don't know that everybody realizes because yeah. they're like, oh, you know, it's an ebook. You take some pictures and it, it takes a really long time. Um, yeah. Actually, how like from from planning it for you, like to launch, how long did that take? 
if you can even think back that far? Um, probably it was about six or seven months. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, I wrote it just in like two days, but like the months before that, even coming up with the table of contents, like deciding okay, am I going to walk them through one project or am I just going to throw out a bunch of skills? Like thinking through like, what do I even want um, like the format of this to be? I did, I did end up deciding to t- walk them through one project. And then it was like, you know, well, what skills are feasible for someone brand new? That's what I wanted is like someone who had zero experience, had never even touched yarn perhaps. And, um, you know, this can be giftable. This can be basically the person who I was when I stumbled into weaving. Like I wanted to create for that person, um, to be able to jump in and enjoy it. And so with that, it's like, you come up with what skills you want them to learn, but you, it can't be too much. Mm -hmm. Like if there's too many stitches, then it's going to be I don't know, too complicated. And they're going to be like, ah, that was fun, but I can't do that again. Like I wanted it to be, um, digestible. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I wrote it within two days, but it was months before that, like to even get to that point to decide this is what's going to be included. And then to think through, like, again, this person knows nothing. So like what words are gonna like help them, be able to do this what words are too much like yeah it's just there's a lot of thinking that goes through that and how to to communicate and then how to like to shoot the videos mm-hmm. um so did you have people helping there's... you with the videos I did yeah someone recorded it but they weren't necessarily directing me like I was directing they just had the right camera and nice. they edited it afterwards and um yeah they put it in a pdf and took the pictures and all of that so yeah the next ones i'm recording them the videos and doing all the voiceovers myself and i i launched a patreon recently to kind of help me afford the time to do that um because yeah i've been dragging my feet on it all this time and i was like the reason why it's happening so slowly is because i don't get paid for the production of course like it's all investment and all the while i'm like trying to support my family and so there's only gonna be so many hours in the month unless i figure out another way to do that so i launched my patreon um to help afford the time to do that and with that my patrons get access to the videos as i make them instead of them waiting yeah what a good idea oh so okay so you you have definitely launched um like you've announced the next book and all that kind of stuff. So can you talk about that a little? Get people excited. (laughs) I'm kind of doing two at once. Um, The second one will be an intermediate level round weaving course. And we'll probably go through two or three round weavings um, because it's like, this isn't the basics. Um, This is like, you've already mastered that and you're moving forward. So it'll include some more complex stitches, of course. Um, But then it's also going to cover some technique tips and um, like round weaving uh oh's you know like this is a problem that's common here's how you try to avoid that or here's how you fix it like kind of fine-tune and build on the skills that you've already encountered um and that's fun but it's actually been way more difficult than a beginner one because it's like you're not starting with someone that knows something you're starting with 
some people who know some and some people who know a lot and like how do I please all of those different people um, and give them something of value. So it's actually also going to be like twice as big as my, as my first one. Because wow. I was pretty sure I wasn't going to do a third round weaving one. Like this is a pretty niche thing. Mm-hmm. Two is probably going to be enough. And then my, the third one will be a beginner level tapestry weaving. So that one will feel similar to my beginner round weaving one and will include some of the same stitches, but um, it'll be cool to be able to articulate like, yes, the stitch is the same, but also like, here's how it's not the same. Like, here's how it will feel different. Here's how you have to be careful with your tension here. Whereas in round weaving, you don't because it's all done on this sturdy frame. Right. Um, right. There's just, no puckering in weird spots. To. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so, yeah, I'm kind of filming those at the same time because they're both already written and, I want to get them done ASAP. <laughs> so, nice. yeah. Cool. I didn't, you know, because I guess because I'm not paying attention to Instagram that much, I didn't realize <laughs> you had launched a Patreon. So I'm really glad you get to talk about it on the pod. Um, yeah. And a Patreon and that you are working on it uh, next couple books. So that's awesome. Thanks. I really um, hope that they'll be done by the end of the year. We'll see. Yeah. And I have a lot for them too. <laughs> Wait, so for the first book, you were, did you launch before you had Hank or... I launched right after he was born, but I filmed it and wrote it and all of that before he was born. So before he was born, I had handed it off to my friends to like produce the PDF and make it look pretty and all of that. And that took them a couple months because they were having a baby at the same time as me. Wow. (laughs) And um, yeah, they were due like within two weeks of each other. So it took them a couple months to get it done, understandably. Of course. And then, yeah, I launched, I think it was December 1st, 2018. That's okay. when it dropped. Mm-hmm. Nice. So Hank, Hank was born late August, so he would have been a couple months old. Okay. And how was the reception of when you launched? Like, I know that launching anything is the most nerve-wracking thing because you yeah. sit there being like, is nobody going to see this or care or, you know, and you, of course you have like the highest hopes for it. So how did it go? It was, I mean, it was crickets, but honestly, my following wasn't super grand. I mean, I think I had, I did not even have 10,000 followers yet, which nowadays means even less, but then it actually meant a little more. Um, I was probably hanging out around 8,000. So I remember I got 11 pre-orders for it because, you know, I like tucked it up and um, I sold it at like a special rate before it launched. And I got 11 pre-orders, which I was very excited about. Yeah, I was like, that sounds pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, like it was going to be embarrassing if I got none. And I was like, I got more than 10. I got more than 10 people that were interested in this. And yeah, I wasn't naive to the fact that I wasn't, a, a, a large name yet or even a significant name in the game. Um, but I think that that's even better in a way, like at least for talking about it now and giving people hope and um, inspiration because like, we're like, yeah, obviously people who have a gazillion followers who have a huge name, like, you know, like Hydrangea or Marian Moody or whoever, um, obviously when they launch something, you think, okay, it's going to be, it's going to be sold out immediately, yada, yada. Um, but you with 10,000, less than 10,000 at the time, mm-hmm. and your 11 pre-orders, do you feel like then um, it was one of those things where it just continued to grow organically and and it's had a longer life than you thought or 
you know, cause it was it, like, yeah, sorry. It was like drip, 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 boom, for sure. I, I mean, I would sell, and <laughs> I wish that I, I could look back at the exact numbers, but I remember I always would text my husband, Casey, when we sold an ebook, um, and I would send him a, a twerking gif and I just, I just text him the number, like ebook number 54 twerking gif. It was like our thing. Um, now I have stopped keeping track. I could, I could look at my website stats and know, but sadly we, I don't text him every time. And I, I think of that and I'm like, I should go back to texting him, like celebrating it in yeah. the way that we used to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would sell maybe five a month, maybe five a month okay. ebooks. Um, and actually until like January, 2020, January, 2020 was like my ebook and my weaving kit explosion. Mm. Um, oh. yeah, I think it was like new year's energy plus Christmas money was, it was insane. And Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. The holidays. Do you mm-hmm. feel like you were promoting it more or you just, it just sort of happened? It just, I think it just sort of happened. It was just the right timing. I was always kind of chatting about it. Um, I'd also done two Pinners conferences. Oh, in yeah. 20... I wanted to talk to you about those. Yeah. In 2019, I did my first one in April in Atlanta. And then I did my second one in September in Dallas. And they invited me to do a Pinners conference as just like a vendor. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like December, 2018. I have no idea how they found me, probably just Instagram. Um, and when they asked me to be a vendor, I, I had never heard of them. So I looked at the website and I was like, Oh, you guys teach classes too. Like, can I come teach a class? And they're like, Oh, we didn't know you taught. Yeah. Here's our availability. Nice. And so, yeah, I taught one class at my first one. I did. I taught one class at my second one too, but, um, I think, yeah, those events kind of helped me gain a little traction, just meeting so many people. Mm-hmm. And I, like in Atlanta, that first one, I taught like 50 people at a time. And then in the second one in Dallas, I taught like 125. Mm-hmm. And wow, that's that huge. Was super cool. Huge. How do you even get yes. materials prepared for all of that? Did you drive down to each yes. one? And Because, yeah, mm-hmm. like, I'm like, how do you fly with all that stuff? Um, wait, okay. So tell me about pinners in general, because I have, I've also been, um, they've contacted me and I'm always just like, Oh no, I don't, I don't know. It just feels really overwhelming. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know about that much about the conference. So can you just like give us a quick, uh, rundown yes. about what it is? Like what are the other vendors and is it just a regular sort of fair or what is it? No, no. Okay. It's like the Jurassic park of craft fairs. Like it's mm-hmm. insane. It is the the, the sizes of the venues are insanely huge. The amount of people that come through is insanely huge. It's two days long. And their thing is like, it's Pinterest come to life. And that's literally what it is. So everything that you would see on Pinterest from like fashion to cooking, to sewing, to weaving, to how to throw a, a dinner party, yeah, how to throw tablescapes and like, <laughs> yes, like everything. There's those types of classes. Some are, well, all of them are free. They like you buy your ticket and you can, um, you can kind of decide like, I don't want to go to any classes or I want to go to two or I want to pass to go to as many as I want or whatever. Um, but then each class, like they may not have a kit that comes with it. So when I go, I don't actually pay or I don't get paid for people attending the class. I just get paid if they buy my kit while they're there. 
which most people do. I've had like a couple people that will come and watch and they figure out pretty quickly, like, oh, this is kind of useless unless I buy the kit. Um, oh, so, so is they it do, more like they don't? So for a class, you're doing, you're just doing a demonstration. It's not like everybody's weaving along, or no, I'm walking them through it. Oh, um, okay, so you yeah. do have to have a you have you sort of have to have a kit available for everyone who wants to do it, and yes. they'll buy it. It's actually it's a requirement. Like you sign a contract saying like, hey, your classroom potential size is like two fifteen. Sign this thing saying that you will bring two hundred and fifteen kits. Wow. To be honest, I don't because I learn. I mean, my first one, I think my classroom size was like 105. And like I said, I had like 50 people come. And that is going to be normal for me at Pinners. But that's because my classes are probably at the top of intimidation level. I'm not going to say skill level. I'm just going to say intimidation level because it's different. You know, yeah. it's not watercolor or like painting a wooden sign like it you know, like it looks intimidating. I know that it's not. Mm -hmm. I know that it is easier to catch on to. Than Probably it looks easier like it than doing watercolor and painting. That's right, for <laughs> sure. Like painting <laughs> intimidates me more than other things, but yeah, especially the, the the projects that I teach. Like they're not really abstract. It's pretty like step by step. But. Yeah. Anyhow, because of that, I know, like, I'm not actually going to sell out a class. I'm probably going to get half, maybe two thirds. Okay. And so I save myself a little money and I don't. But if ever I run out of kits, I'm going to be in trouble. So I'm not actually advising that. I'm just <laughs> being honest. Just saying, yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, I mean, that's like so many people to teach at one time. I can't even. Yes. 50 is a lot. 100, I mean, 200, I cannot imagine. Mm -hmm. Having to walk around doing that because there's always someone. At least, I mean, the macrame teachers I've on um, classes that I've taught have been like you know twelve people or whatever. But there's always one mm -hmm. or two who can't get it, and that holds yeah. up the entire class. But what's good is that the people who do get it then end up just taking other people through it. Yes, you know, and like, I experienced a little bit of that too. Um, I actually taught a macrame keychain one in April in mm -hmm. Atlanta. That was way more difficult really? than the weaving projects that I've taught. Yeah, because I don't know, like it's the knotting, it's the the yeah. square knot. Getting a hang of the square knot is really hard for some people. Yeah, because it, it is. It is. It's like you have to use like right brain, left brain in a way, like mm -hmm. and get those all to work together. You're you're get, getting your hands to work together, and it's and it's hard mm -hmm. for people to always do the second step. Um, yeah, so I guess it is kind of more difficult. I don't know. Maybe more difficult. I don't know. It's just totally different. I didn't expect that. Yeah. Um, that I was like, oh, like this is more difficult. Because, yeah, it's like you have to be able to feel what's correct. Right. And you see can't it. always articulate that. And see it, yeah. which is also kind of hard to see unless you're accustomed to doing it over and over again. You know, it's mm -hmm. one of those things you just say you have to practice it. Mm -hmm. um, and then it'll become this thing you can do it while watching TV and everyone's like no way yeah. but that's how I feel about knitting like I can't yeah watch TV and knit at the same time because I mm -hmm. will always miss you know miss a thread or whatever yeah yeah um okay so let's see so we did pinners twice um have you been teaching yep. lately I have not I am about to do some zoom workshops this fall oh nice um, yeah I went to pinners in April and I did two pinners this past November. Um, and before that, I had done a couple of Zoom workshops in the fall. Um, but I haven't done an in-person workshop other than pinners. 
Yeah, I guess COVID kind of COVID killed all of that. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I was I was a little relieved. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like last spring and summer. I mean, it was just such a good way to get out of everything yep. that I was. And it's weird because like I I really enjoy teaching when I'm done with it, but mm-hmm. the the I still get nervous before I have to do a class and you know prepping for everything and um it's so weird like but afterward I always feel awesome about it and I'm like that mm-hmm. was so fun I should do that more but then <laughs> then I again somebody asked me to do a class and I'm like oh no I really don't want to do it but yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess this whole last year and a half was a really weird experience. Um, mm-hmm. I'll ask you first. How has your last year and a half been? Um, oh, my gosh. Oh, okay. So we'll just get it out on the table. Yes. My younger son, Hank, passed away September 2019. People listening to this podcast may or may not know that. Um, and so having that happen... Um, Hank not being sick, like it being a freak accident and just the, all of the trauma from that. And then walking into COVID six months later was nuts. <laughs> like it, it was a blessing and it was a curse. It was like, Oh, cause you couldn't I like too, take your mind off. You're just sitting at home. Yeah. yeah. Sitting at home and like all of my like coping mechanisms, like all of my friends, you know, that, that were in it with me and I could, say I'm having an awful day can Louie and I come over and Louie and your kid play like I couldn't do that for a little while mind you at the same time because we're psychos Casey my husband um, we decided that he would quit his job and come home this was literally right before pandemic hit we made this decision early February March (laughs) yeah like February we were thinking about it beginning of March we were like we're gonna do it you're gonna quit your job you're gonna come home um I'm gonna you know do weaving full-time and he was also making he started taking over making our kits okay um was he um, manual labor was he traveling a lot with his job or was he um no okay yeah no he wasn't but that like family change after this other family change, mm-hmm. um, stepping into COVID, that's just a lot. That's a lot of change and sure. uh, a lot of loss in a lot of ways. So, yeah, in some ways, pandemic was like more. I'm going to lose more. I'm going to, you know, how much can you take? I had my first real panic attack okay. when when pandemic hit. And it was it was just that it was like I my brain cannot compute like more trauma uh-huh. more all of a sudden change loss, more like loss of like everything fear. Yeah. yeah like when Hank died I one of the things that I kept saying was like the world is not actually any less scary on this side of things like my people in our fragility was we were fragile before like children are fragile before and then this freak accident happened my child died it didn't actually make the world feel more unsafe to me because mm-hmm. I was like, no one made a mistake. Yeah. Like this just happened. And if it, I'm probably not articulating this super smoothly, but I was, I was determined to not be more afraid of life and of the world. I was like, things happen. That was always true. I just know it differently Yeah. because it happened to me. 
Um, and then what? the pandemic hit. Yeah. And it was like, wait, the world wasn't supposed to get scarier. <laughs> this yeah, or more world uncertain. has actually changed. Yeah. yeah. Like that wasn't supposed to happen. So I can't compute. <laughs> no, I know. And, I, I, I cannot fathom. <laughs> like, um, yeah, because I was going to ask, like, you, you literally went through, I think, what people or at least what parents fear the most mm-hmm. is having a child die. Um, yes, I was, I don't know, I was going to ask you, and I guess you may have just answered it, that like the thing about fear, that like if you have the worst case scenario happen in your life, then what happens after that? Like mm-hmm. do you then go, you know what, carpe diem, fuck everything, <laughs> do do everything you're going to do because you just can't like you know what I mean like do you just say like screw it all and get rid of all that fear or is it more scary you know because both. then you're like is the is is the danger infinite out there you know yeah I mean it's both it's like for example right now pandemic seems to be gearing up even more yeah. right mm-hmm. and I feel like I've heard a lot of people say like but kids are when kids are getting it they're having mild you know, um, experiences with it. The kids are fine. And I'm like, well, hi, I live on the other side of a one in a bajillion experience. That does nothing for me. That is not comforting for me. Um, so it's just, it's like, it's both like I, in some, sometimes, and in some situations, I can't be comforted in the normal way of comforting. Cause I can't let go of the fact that like freak things do happen. And then, and then other things do seem to feel softened. Other things do seem to be like, that's not really much to me because I've been through worse. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or at least it's not that it's nothing. It's that I know that I'm capable of it. I know that I can handle it because I've handled worse. That's what it is. Um, yeah, I, I, I've become a lot more bold of a person And what I feel like I've processed about that is like, I'm still me. I still kind of have the same mission. I still believe a lot of the same things, but I'm less apologetic about it. Mm -hmm. I think that that is maybe like the fuck everything part of that Mm -hmm. is like, I don't care. I don't care about so many things. And I am often so much less timid because I'm like, there's just bigger things out there. There's more important things out there. There's bigger losses to be had. And I don't know, all of that is maybe a little bit vague, but I mean, it's just both like, yes, I am more fearful in certain circumstances. I can't even say like in certain ways because it's inconsistent. Mm -hmm. It's like, depends on the day, the hour, what I ate that morning like I just I'm not one thing all of the time and sometimes I am more afraid and and sometimes I'm not yeah sometimes I'm less afraid (laughs) yeah no I mean so I mean obviously after Hank died I think a lot of us um you know in in a lot of ways I would check in on you on Instagram just by whatever whatever you're posting whatever you're talking about and I found your words are so articulate and beautiful, the way that you're expressing your grief and anger and sadness and all the feelings that you're going through. Um, and like, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this. I think I just wanted to tell you that, but um, yeah, I don't know. Are, do you have any plans to like write a 
personal book, like not not having to do with fiber art, because I I, I, think- I do somewhat. It's an idea that I'm terrified of, but that um, I think I, I I am a writer. I always mm-hmm. have been. I just kind of didn't really know it. Like mm-hmm. when I think of when I was a kid, like I was always a journaler. I think I've always processed through writing. I'm not necessarily a verbal processor, um, but I do process through writing and journaling and sharing. And um, yeah, so that was like, that was a thing when Hank died. And it was less of a decision as much as it was just pouring out of me. Mm-hmm. And so then having a place to put it, like to share it on the internet and to have engagement and and to feel that people care, like to hear people like further validate my processes. Like that was a gift and something that I continue to do. And it's like, I wish that I could say that my first motive was some noble thing, like to help people and to normalize for other people. That's there a little bit. Honestly, the number one is for me of is course. that it's good for me yeah. <laughs> like to put it somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh Oh, I think you're frozen. Hold on. It's like, well, that's oh, really, you sorry. You were frozen for Are a you? minute. <laughs> oh, am I okay. freezing now? So okay. I don't know where, uh, uh-uh, you're not. Okay. I just heard like a bloop bloop. Um, I don't know what you didn't hear, but, uh, I had people early on saying, you know, your writing's good. You should write a book. I was very shy of that idea. I was like, no, I can't actually write a book. I just write Instagram captions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but the idea has grown. I'm super intimidated by it, but I am writing, um, a book. I have no idea when it's going to be finished. I, like for a very long time, I was just writing and writing and writing and writing. And I was like, I think this might be a book one day. I don't know what the title is. I don't know like what the format of it is. I'm just going to write until that comes to me. I did land on a title probably sometime last summer and like had a general idea of like, okay, so like, I think this is what it's about. It's about our family. It's not just about my son died. Mm -hmm. Um, it is about hang, but it's also about us um, and all of the things that go into it. You know, my faith, um, my counseling, like just loss and grief. And these are the ways we do it right. These are the ways we do it wrong. Yeah. And, and me, I mean, really, it's a story of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah of course. It's a story of me. And that includes my family and, and all of that. But um yeah, I just like two months ago was able to like chapter one, chapter two, and that's the way that it's coming to me. It's just like chapter by chapter, like, oh, that's going to come next. Oh, I think I've already written about that. Let me go find that and pull it in. It's a mess. Yeah. No, well, it'll but, come together. Um, have you ever yeah. heard of the website Modern Loss? I follow them on oh, Instagram. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, my a girl I went to school with um is one of the like founders of of that website because her cool. like right after we graduated school or was yeah it must have been right after um her she lost both her parents like in a mm. in like a double murder in New York it was oh, so it's crazy um yeah. but i think you know ever since then it, this has been like really the focus of her life but i was thinking mm-hmm. um you should like submit an essay 
just to get it started. Oh, you know cool. what I mean? Where you where yeah. you're just taking like one little portion of what you're what you're thinking and whatever. Um, but if mm-hmm. you want me to connect you guys, I will. We, she sure. and I don't talk that much, but she at least knows who I am and like whatever. Uh-huh. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think that would be like such a um a good like sort of stepping stone into the the world of the published writing world. Writing. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be very cool. I would yeah. like that. Um. Yeah, I don't. I want to talk about like boldness um, with your openness on Instagram, and I I get that it is like it is therapeutic for you. Um, I don't know. That's like it's like one of my biggest fears that, and I think that's why I'm quieter on Instagram. The way I've become is like I've become a lot more timid the more um, followers I have mm-hmm. because um, I don't know what it is. It's like I've become more private, and this is the time if I wanted to like get more followers and get more I don't know customers even for the Mm -hmm. you know for the shop it would be to open myself up completely right now and Mm -hmm. I feel so much more timid than before and I like I don't know how to overcome it because I feel there was like a couple things that happened like with with the pandemic it was like right after pandemic um BLM happened Mm -hmm. and then I was like I should I felt like this pressure to do a podcast interview and I was like with a person of with a black person right mm-hmm. and then I'm like oh does that seem just so tokeny like then yeah. that seemed like overdoing because every every podcast I listened to was then bringing people of color on the podcast mm-hmm. to talk about the thing but just to have like this one moment mm-hmm. for a second you know what I mean and then everyone back mm-hmm. went back to our normally like our regularly scheduled programming mm-hmm. and it was like and then who do I ask so then I was I don't know I was I have been rendered mute basically for a year mm-hmm. and a half and it was like I and I just didn't know like how to even go about it you know and I'm like okay well I'm an Asian girl so maybe I can be <laughs> like in one way I can be <laughs> neutral here because I am a person of color but obviously my experience is not that of a black person at all not even mm-hmm. close but um you know I'm like I'm, I'm definitely an ally and all these things but mm-hmm. it just felt like, how do you do it right? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes. and because everyone's, everyone was just sitting at home looking for things to either listen to and then criticize, mm-hmm. all I – like, I, I literally just couldn't take a step, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I just all have to commend your bold – Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, yeah. It, like, everyone's getting canceled for saying the wrong thing or, like, even yes. with – posting all the black squares if you did it a certain way you were doing it wrong yeah <laughs> like there was no right I way didn't to go post a black it. square because I'd read stuff about like oh we're you know clogging up the whatever and now the people of color and what they have to say is not being seen because all these white people are posting yeah, the black squares. Yeah. so I didn't and I still sometimes think because I know I feel like it's so much more of a thing now is that people will kind of vet you mm-hmm. like they'll scroll back and like try to see what you're about. And I'm like, I bet people have scrolled back to see what I was doing at that time of year. If they see I don't have a black square and they think certain right. things about me. <laughs> and it's yeah, it does feel the whole thing for one the thing that I've only recently been able to like process is like it happened. George Floyd died. Things kind of exploded. And for us who had any sort of Instagram following, there was this pressure to be speaking about it. But what if you weren't super educated about it before? Which was like a duh, there are people that aren't super educated. Isn't that the whole point of this thing? And I, I wasn't like incredibly naive, but I wasn't educated to the point that I felt 
I could join in and adding things to the discussion. And it was also like, I'm a white girl. I'm supposed to be letting other people talk, mm-hmm. but also there's certain people that are like, I'm supposed to be promoting. So it's just like, right, like you're silent. What is the, what is, there's a phrase, um, silence oh, is whatever. Silence. Is, is that what it is? Silence is violence or silence is silence is violence because it was like the idea of like, um, oh man, you're kind of condoning or you're not, I don't know. You're not right. encouraging if you're not the vocally, conversation. Right. If you're not vocal about being an ally, then you're like, whatever, that you're being complicit. Yes, that's right. It's complicit. I'm yeah. not condoning. And yeah, there were so many directions that I felt we were being told to go in. And it was like, there was so much pressure there. It was hard to decide what is right. And the truth is there wasn't a, a, a clear right. It mm-hmm. was like, you're probably going to get it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. That that there was, were more ways was, to get it wrong than to get it right. I think. Yes. And you know? I think that was new to so many of us, mm-hmm. but really that's just part of being an ally yeah, is like, yeah. or at least I think I, yeah. <laughs> I think just, that's the thing I've learned about being an ally is like, you just have to try and, yeah. and you're going to get it wrong and there you're going to get some backlash because you're not them, honestly. Mm-hmm. And but it is right to try. I don't know. I don't, I don't feel that I engaged as much as some would say I should have. I I can't say that I engaged less than I could have. I think I did engage as much as I felt that I could. I did like repost the things that I vetted, Mm -hmm. you know, and because there was so much information going around and it was like, well, I don't want to just repost, 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 repost. Like I need to read this. Mm -hmm. Like I need to, to learn about it. I need to not say, I mean, sometimes it was like, I need to make sure that all of this is accurate. Um, so it was just like, that would be hypocritical if I was reposting and quote, educating people, but not educating myself. Yeah. Like there were in the beginning for sure. I felt that there was no grace for needing some time to listen and Mm -hmm. like to be educated. You had to talk about how you were listening and being educated. And that's really hard. It's really hard to talk and listen at the same time. Yeah. And I think what was getting lost a lot was intention. So people will often say the wrong thing or put the wrong set of words together, but the intention of what, what they're feeling or what they're trying to say would get lost, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, I mean, that's, the biggest problem I think with social media is that you, everything is, you're only seeing like a little tiny segment of a, mm-hmm. of a phrase or a clip or a, you know, or a caption or whatever. And like the greater mm-hmm. picture of what, who a person is as, as a whole is totally lost, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like everything you're doing, like, it's like, I have to prove all the ways that I'm being an ally when I actually just want to, be an ally. I actually just want to like do the things, donate the money and not brag yeah. about it. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Donating. Like re- it's like, yeah. do I have to announce every time I donate to a cause? Because doesn't yeah. that do seem more performative? Do I have to prove that I signed a petition? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, then you're being performative. Exactly. And there was no way to do it perfectly. It was and still is incredibly volatile. And I can't say that I know the solution because it feels like there's a lot of people that are right. And there's a lot of people that are entitled to the way that they feel. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously there's a lot of wrong as well. And there's all of that. But it's like, I just want to 
be humble. I just want to listen. I just want to try to figure it out. And I don't know, but it was incredibly difficult and still is incredibly difficult. And the waters have calmed some, um, but I don't know. It, it feels like a little bit, I can imagine maybe feeling a little bit like, why well, I haven't really engaged in it so far. Like, is it too late? <laughs> to which I'm like, it shouldn't be. Yeah. No, I don't it think it's too late. Too I, late. Almost, I almost think it's better now because it is yeah. quieter. And like, even when I think about the podcast and who I want to bring on, um, like, I'm like, okay, now it doesn't feel performative. Now it feels mm-hmm. like I actually just like have discovered somebody that I would like to bring on and who happens to be a person of color. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's, it's funny, even even with Instagram, like when all that was happening, I, I said like I would like to highlight the work of, mm-hmm. you know, black artists and da, da, da. So please tag me. And there were like three people, like three artists. I was like, maybe that's <laughs> the thing. There just aren't that many or, or they're yeah. just not seeing my post. Who knows, right? Um, and I think like it was a struggle for them too. Like for black artists and black businesses, like yeah. to all of a sudden be getting this attention. Cause they're like, wait, do um, I have to be the voice of this entire thing? You know, yeah. which is unfair too. You know, it all yeah. felt really, um, there's yeah. expectation all around and no one was winning. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot was one and is still being one. Like change did happen. And it's happening. Causes, I hope slowly. And it's happening. Slow, but yeah. It is happening. Yeah. And, I don't know. It was, it was so much. And yeah, I think like for black artists and black businesses who all of a sudden had this boom in attention and in purchases and this and that, like they had to come down from that because it did slow down. So I'm like, it wasn't easy for them either. And I can imagine them like not wanting to self-promote because they're like, I can't handle anymore. Yeah. (laughs) And that's funny. Yeah. there, There were people definitely saying that. Um, they were like, oh, I can't take any commissions, but thank you mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. You know. And I, I, in a very different way, experienced something somewhat parallel. Like when Hank died of this, all of a sudden, like show support that was like such a gift. And also it was like, whoa, like, why? Like, mm-hmm. why do you love this? Like, is it because you feel sorry for me? Is it because you just discovered my work and you do like it? Like, Probably I both. It. Yeah, yeah, both. And, and at this point in time, I'm like, I I think people like my work. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I question it a little less, but there was a very long time where I just couldn't really believe that, like, what I had was real. And, like, it's just, just going to stop. Like, people are going to move on from this sad story and, and forget about me. And it has slowed down. Like, it is different. Yeah. Um, but also, it's kept up obviously in a way that like this is our family's income um but yeah I felt like I was seeing that too of like oh this is so good for you (laughs) I hope that you don't crash and burn that's a wait hang on (laughs) not I, I hope you don't crash and burn I hope that when time goes on and these things do slow down inevitably I'm not saying they were just gonna like drop off and end but it's going to slow down. Like it's not always going to be explosive. Mm-hmm. Like I hope you still feel supported. I so I hope you still feel appreciated. I hope you still know your value, the value of your work, the value of you as a person, like when other people are not validating that all the time right. with their words or purchases. Like right. I felt like I saw that 
future, like for so many people. And well, I have to tell you, I mean, even on the business end, okay. So without a a huge traumatic thing in my life, right? I didn't have a huge traumatic thing, um, but the pandemic did happen. So Mm -hmm. for my, I have to say, like on on the business side, right? So um, it was like March, uh, March and April were like really hard because the demand was giant. Um, for fibers, but then I was like completely sold out because the production slowed down and couldn't keep up. Um, Mm -hmm. but then all summer it was like, boom, it was like crazy, crazy busy. I had never been that busy ever. Um, Mm -hmm. which was awesome because then I didn't have to think about the pandemic. I just was like packing orders, packing orders, packing orders all day long, all day long. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and, and I have to remind myself now, because I have to say this summer I've been way slower. Even with like, I just launched Meridian Recycle, the whole container came and I've been really slow, um, mm. which is hard because then I'm like, oh, and then I have Supersoft coming uh, in a, in like six weeks and I, I have no space for it because like I'm mm. really not selling that much right now. Um, so you had this double because of the timing, right? Mm-hmm. Because of when he died and then. And so you were getting more followers, more people knew who you were, what was going on, plus pandemic. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know, like, so I guess I'm wondering how, how is this summer, how has it been business-wise? Like, are you feeling like there is a major slowdown? Are you, are you fearful? (laughs) I have to tell you, I'm really, I'm fearful. Like, I'm like, what's going on? And I get it. People are out and about, but there's Mm -hmm. always a part of me. And I don't know if it's my mom putting so much fear into me that that my business is Mm -hmm. never going to last because Mm -hmm. she did macrame in the seventies and, and, and she was a weaver and all these things. And then it died in the Mm eighties and nineties. And she's like, it's, she just, every time I talk to her, she's like, how's it going? What's going on? How are sales? Da-da-da. And she freaks me out yeah. about it. And this has been going on mm-hmm. for already six years. That she, You know, ever mm. since I started this business, oh she's gosh. been like, it's not going to last. What are you going to do afterward? Um, so I don't know if it's her freaking me out and just like, whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. Does yep. it, it feels like things are slowing down for you? Or, yes. Yeah. May, May. So April, as far as online sales, was a pretty slow month for us, but I also did pinners. So I didn't Mm. freak out yet. Mm -hmm. May was crazy slow. June was crazy slow. July was pretty slow, but I tried a lot harder. So I, we, you know, made a little more money. Um, So far, August is looking okay. Like we'll survive and stop digging or dwindling down our savings. Um, But it has been tough. And man, so many nights have I like just lie laid in bed and thought like, what the hell are we going to do? Like when this just stops, like we have put all our eggs in this basket and I knew all the while, like this is a big leap. It's okay. If it doesn't work, like we're taking this gamble and that's what it is. It's a gamble. It's not that we're stepping onto something that is, is sustainable. We're just hoping that it will grow. And Mm -hmm. it did because of all of those reasons, partially like, because we gained a lot of support when Hank died because pandemic hit. Um, we were, I felt very in, unsensitive, insensitive, insensitive, <laughs> but I was like, it feels gross to say this, but like, we're the ideal business for a pandemic world. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we were, I didn't like, know it. You know, I didn't know that was right. going to be the case at all. I mm-hmm. actually thought we were going to slow way down because people wouldn't have money to spend and yes. people weren't going to work. And, I really thought it was going to be the opposite. 
And then yeah. I was like, wait, where are all these people getting money from? Like, honestly. Yeah, I know. I still am not quite certain, but I'm like, thanks anyway. Um, <laughs> and, but yeah, May, June, July, I've been really slow. August has been somewhat slow. And I've had to think like, yeah, it's because people are finally vacationing for the first yeah. time in two years. They're yeah. taking the trips that they planned two years ago. Right. And spending the money um, doing that instead of their little, the yeah. home, you know, staying home and <laughs> weaving and doing macro. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's and true. honestly, probably being on social media. I think people are probably on social media left because they're so like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm over it. It's been so much the last year and a half. Like, yeah, that's true. To which I'm like, good, good for you. Bad for me. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, totally. And like, I don't know. Like, I can't say that I'm standing here super confidently that it's about to go up because people are about to come home from their vacations. Like, I don't know that. Um, so I'm still very uncomfortable. Um, I've had it in my head. Like, we just have to make it through August. We just have to make it through August. I yeah. think September will be like markets happen. You know, and markets start happening. Hit. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make it through um through the holiday season. And then okay, question. When is this podcast gonna be released? Soon. So like well okay. um I would say realistically. I mean my husband edited it edits it. So I'm hoping okay. he'll do it. Uh, this weekend, and then maybe okay. launch like I don't know. So so soon, sometime within within a week, I hope. Okay, so yeah. then you're you have to cut this next part out. Okay, <laughs> I'm pregnant. <gasps> oh, congratulations! <laughs> Thanks. Wait, so when when due... would you be able to announce that? I'm gonna How many weeks announce. I'm 12. I turned 12 on Tuesday. We're going to tell Louie on the 19th when I have my next appointment, okay. just so I can hear the heartbeat once more. And uh, I'll probably, and then I'm like, I don't know if I'll announce right after that, because right after that is Hank's birthday okay. on the 27th. Okay. And then his August two 27th. year, uh, August 27th, and then it'll be two years that he died, September 17th. Oh, wow. So it sounds kind of gross to be like Planning. strategic around those dates, but I'm just like, I just know what I am on the internet, which is a little bit of an ro emotional roller coaster. And if I throw in a baby announcement in there, am I gonna, like, am I gonna be able to handle that? So I don't know. That's why I was asking. So I was about to say, like, we're gonna ride holiday, you know, earnings, but then I'm gonna have a baby in the room. <laughs> right. And who knows? <laughs> so yeah, the knowledge of that coming. I'm gonna stop talking about this in a second because. No, it's okay. I, I made note out. of the time. Hold on. Um, one, oh, two, one, oh, two, three, two. Okay. Okay. Just um, so I know, like, when. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, my God, I'm so excited, too. Thanks. <laughs> uh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. We're really, we're really excited. And yeah, but that has gone into like how stressful these past slow months of course. has come. I'm like, shoot, I'm going to have top of everything. Thing. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. Okay. So cut that conversation and try to remember what we were talking okay. about. Um, um, slow months. Um, yeah. Slow months. I had it in my head. We just kind of have to get through August and then I'm pretty sure September will be somewhat normal. Yeah. Again. Um, but it's just really hard. And I, I feel like I, 
I hear the same lies of like, you were just a fad, you were just a phase and this isn't actually sustainable. And, you know, I've kind of, when Hank died and I got this like huge show of support and then my kit explosion happened. I was like, this is awesome, but it's probably not real. Like it's probably going to end. I got over that. Like I, I finally was able to like stand on my own feet and say like, yeah, I don't know exactly the, how the pace of this is going to be forever, but I know that this is good. Like my product is good. I do have value. People do like my work. And then these slow bends happened mm-hmm. and I'm like, <laughs> I know this thing that I've been fearing I know. the whole time. It feels like it's being validated. But also it's not exactly because there are different factors at play. There like, really are. Yeah. The pandemic shifted. Yeah. And just who knows? Like no one knows what the world is like on the other side of this thing or even when the other side of this thing is going to happen. I know. And I kind of feel like there – I hate to say it, but I don't think there's going to be an other side. Like I think we're just going right. to have to live with COVID forever mm-hmm. um, oh, because it's, it's going to sure keep mutating. You know what I mean? There's going to be more variants and we're Mm -hmm. just going to have to figure out vaccines and whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know where you stand on that, but like hopefully more people get vaccinated and then, you know. But even with that, I mean, this is pretty, probably pretty negative. It feels like the ball is probably still pretty far down that track. Like, yes, people need to get vaccinated. We got vaccinated. I'll get a freaking booster shot if, if it becomes, you know, available to me. I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. Also, I'm not exactly confident that that will make as much change that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. That's pretty negative, but no, I, I, know. I just I... don't disagree that like this is going to be a part of our world. Hopefully, it becomes more mild, like I, the flu. The flu I the feel flu like it's going to be like the flu. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, like something that is for sure not to be taken lightly, and also a regular part of our life, mm-hmm. not this thing that like we were in the same room as someone and we have to shut down our life for two weeks. Yeah. Like that's yeah. not going to be sustainable. I'm not saying that it like it doesn't deserve that amount of caution, but just. No, I agree. It's not, it's not going to be sustainable. sustainable. Yeah. And people aren't going to go under lockdown again. Like I, I really don't Mm-mm. think so. You know, I don't think so. Nobody having it, you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Nope. It's tough. Yeah. Um, this is, totally ra- uh, kind of random but uh, i've been just wondering it, how old was how old was louis when hank died he was about to turn three um so louis and hank are 23 months apart exactly okay. hank was a year and three weeks exactly okay. when he died and hank died on september 17th and louis's third birthday is september 27th oh wow. so yeah it was the fall's a mess for us yeah <laughs> God, it must be. And in so many, maybe it'll be nice being a little bit slow for a month and then, mm-hmm. and then um, pick up uh, late at the very end of September. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. How has he been handling everything? Oh, I mean, kids are so awesome. malleable and he was yeah. young, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, but he, I love talking about Louis. So I'm actually really, I don't think that I've really talked too much about him on a podcast or really much so um louis has done well he every mama crow thinks that their babies are the blackest i just butchered that saying but (laughs) louis really is 
<laughs> my eyes are so It's not like every crowd thinks that theirs is the blackest. I was like, girl, it's you just good. got canceled. <laughs> I wish I want Yeah, I wish that I would have just not said that. But it I'm, came out kidding, I'm kidding. I'm, I don't know a lot of sayings because I my parents are Korean and, you know, like <laughs> Korean born. So they don't know anything. So I learn. I always mess right. up. <laughs> my point is everyone thinks that their kid is awesome. I think my kid's awesome. Louis has a pretty high emotional intelligence level and always has been he's always been very verbal he was not even two years old when hank died Mm -hmm. and i'm sorry he was not even two years old when hank was born Mm -hmm. and he for real just got it like from day one he was all in on baby and helping me with baby like he was my partner for real and so hank dying was not this abstract thing that I ever thought wasn't really going to face him much. Like it was humongous. Mm -hmm. It was, I mean, Hank was his brother for half of his life so far at that point, you know, and he, so because of that, like even telling him, like we could have a real conversation about it because he was pretty articulate. Um, He did understand he, there was a little while where it's like he would, forget in certain moments like there were weeks where um often Louis would wake up first and Hank would wake up second and Louis would hear Hank and we'd be eating breakfast and he'd say I think Hank's awake that was like every morning this was our thing and um in the morning after Hank died Hank died at night Louis was asleep and uh that next morning we're sitting down at breakfast and Louis says I think Hank's awake and I said he's he's not and I wasn't able to spit it out yet. And then a little while later, it was like, is Hank up yet? When's he going to wake up? And uh, I put him on my lap and he kind of explained, like, you know how last night we we had to go to the hospital with Hank. And the, the summary of that is they, you know, he was struggling to breathe. Um, and the doctors tried really hard and they weren't able to fix him. And um <laughs> It's okay. I didn't say, I didn't say Hank died um, because he didn't know what that word is yet. But I said, like, Hank's in heaven now and Jesus is going to take care of him and we're going to miss him a lot. I, I mean, that is, that is a thing that we believe, you know, that Hank is in heaven, that that Jesus is taking care of him. And also that doesn't like wash away that Hank's dead, like that Hank is not coming back. And so we've had to use like purposefully have sentences like that. Like Hank is not coming back. Hank is not going to be playing. Hank is to explain to a three-year-old, like help him fully grasp the finality of this. Um, There's a little while where like he would forget. And the way that I saw it is like, we as adults go through little moments of denial too. And for him as a three-year-old, his moments of denial looked like he actually forgot. Yeah. Um, that wore off, you know, after a couple of months and we got him into play therapy really quickly. I think like, well, I say really quickly, it's probably like within two months. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing for him and for me. I think I feel like it was an equal benefit um, just me to feel like I had someone else to help me like steer him through mm-hmm. that because it was like, I didn't know how to do it. Like, how yeah. do I... How do I care for him? Like, I've known how to be his mom until this point. I do not know how to be his mom in this. I don't know how to 
help him be okay. I was about to say, make sure he's okay, but like, we can't ever make sure that they're okay. Like we just yeah. do our best. And I had no idea how to do that. So play therapy was an awesome tool for us. And even um, like, how do you decide which words you use when you're talking about, yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Um, you just, because I know you're, you're never to lie to them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was the but, big thing. It's like, we're never going to lie to you. And also like, we're going to try to be very careful with like, like, for example, we cremated Hank and I never explained that to him mm-hmm. because I didn't know how to explain that to him in a way that wasn't like horrifying. Um, but he, uh, he has asked like, cause he'll see like, you know, a cemetery he's like grown to know what a cemetery is. And he's asked like, think of a grave, you know, and I just say no and kind of hope mm-hmm. that we move past it. And one day we'll explain stuff like that. But like, do you yeah, have, it's just, a, it's just kind of impossible. Um, did you keep like, did you keep the ashes or? Yeah. Yeah. We have urn and, um, we, we didn't scatter him, but what, Casey and I have done is like in significant moments um, or experiences will bring a little pinch. We have like an urn locket um, and we'll release them then. And it's just kind of a, a thing that Casey and I have freedom. Like we went to Disneyland in April and I brought my locket and yeah, when we were walking out on the last day, I, I dropped some ashes just in in what we have said is like dropping his ashes are an act of saying I wish you were here yeah it's not letting him go it's not um it's not anything like that it's it's including him it's mm-hmm. saying I wish you were here and I will give Louis some one day too um I'll try to do it in a way that is like this is yours for you not mm-hmm. like this is mine to give you um because that's a thing is like letting him navigate it on his own and being there to support him, but also not like telling him how he feels, you know, like helping him realize how he feels, but not like my grief is my grief and I will feel this and carry this not in the same way as him. And I want to make sure of that. Like, I don't expect you to not be, untouched by this and also I don't expect you to like have the same wound that I have mm-hmm. um that's tricky <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. um he's done really great they he it's very normal for us to talk about Hank um and I, I just do it in a way that's just normal not like let's talk about your dead brother now but right, just like right. Oh, sweet potatoes. That was Hank's favorite food, you know, yeah. and, you know, just like little things like that. Um, I, that seems like yeah. the most healthy way to go about it instead of, you know, you always hear about people but when they get older and they'll go, yeah, I, you know, I had a sibling that died, but my parents never talked about it. And yes, I have um, no idea who that person was because they, yeah. you know, they just become a ghost or whatever. Um, yeah, I was terrified of that. Like I... I don't want to magnify this or minimize this for you. And and he, he's led the way on like how to handle that. He, I remember he would bring it up to like his preschool classes and his teacher would tell me and I, you know, kind of tell them like, thanks for sharing that. Like, please let him do that. Like, you know, don't feel like you have to like, I don't know. It's just like, for example, like they would read a book and maybe it had a sibling in it and they'd say, I have a brother named Hank. He lives in heaven. 
you know, and I tell the teachers like, you can say like, oh, that's awesome. Like you can talk about Hank in the present too. And cause that's how we do it is we talk about Hank in the present and because he's, he's still relevant. He's yeah. still a relevant thing for us. And that's kind of how we've steered Louie in that. Um, I mean, we've had like Christmas is hard. It'll probably be always complicated, but yeah. like I, remember this year when we were going to go, um, by our tree, we had dinner and then we were going to go get our tree afterwards. And Casey got, was getting teary and Louie said, you know, daddy, what's wrong? And, and Casey said, like, I'm just missing Hank right now. And Louie started crying too. Mm-hmm. And then I started crying and we just kind of had this like cry sesh as a family but like it wasn't a long conversation like we just know like we just it's just a part of us and it's not something we always have to like deeply flesh out it's just our norm um and he's awesome and he honestly teaches me so much and it's it's truly like been an honor to be his mom because I just think he's so amazing and and he's helped me feel normal about certain things and and I've tried to encourage him to feel normal about certain things and I wish I had more like stories to like articulate those things but of course not many of them are coming to mind right now um always whenever you need to talk about it and it's like yeah (laughs) there were so many um will he be going to school this fall not kindergarten, but he'll be going to like a transitional kindergarten nice. at his same preschool. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he'll go to kindergarten next year, okay. which I'm like, great. I wasn't ready for kindergarten yet. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You just want to hold on to him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What a crazy journey <laughs> you've yes. been through. And I'm like a sobbing mess now. <laughs> you know, that's the thing is like, I, I imagine you now have to, because you live with it every day, every day, right? Mm-hmm. That you end yeah. up having to comfort other people about it, like about how to be around you. And then like, you know, maybe it was more so before, like right after it all happened. But um, yeah, I think... Yeah, I felt a little more struggle with that in the beginning of like, I don't know what I'm doing and somehow I'm teaching other people. But also like, I think that that's okay. I think that that is part, I think that that is the right way to go about it as someone who is grief adjacent, like how to care for a friend is mm-hmm. like, you do have to ask a lot of questions. Like you, it's not like specific questions. Like, like I hate the, like, let me know if you need anything. You know, you say, yeah. you wait, you know, you say, what do you need today? Yeah. What do you need right now? Do you need anything from the grocery store? You know, do you need a, a day off? Like, do you need, you know, can, you, can you I ask clean your house? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and as difficult as it is, but like the person who has less, it's like, you just have to say yes. Like you have to, to accept that people are wanting to support you and, and just be honest and don't be shy about like accepting a gift, like let them gift you because that's what they can do. And it feels good to them too. Mm -hmm. I think that that was a little difficult for me to accept at first is like, it's actually not good to say no (laughs) because they feel rejected. Just let them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think a big thing that I have kind of learned to stand in is like, my grief is my grief and I'm in charge of it. 
And so if I want to feel supportive, I have to let people be a part of that. Like I will every now and then text like my best friends, like, Hey, I'm just going to like Hank vomit pictures to you. And I'll just send them pictures of him and tell them about it. And I say, like, you don't have to respond but like, that's me inviting them in like to be a part of it with me, especially on like a pretty intimate level like that. And, um, you have to be willing to share. Otherwise like people can't support you. Like, I don't know. So I guess it's like being open sometimes looks like more than in, looks more like inviting. And I, I'm okay with that now because I've accepted, like it is mine. I'm in charge of me. So it's like, also if something doesn't feel good if someone, you know, says something, I, I can't even name an example, but, Oh, someone said, and I won't say who it was, but someone recently who's being a butthead about sharing Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, only child syndrome. Mm-hmm. Cringe. And it's like, I see how that came out because Louis does live his everyday life as if he were an only child. Mm-hmm. And later I, I just had to pull a person aside and say, hey, Louis's not an only child. Yeah. And they immediately understood what they'd said. Like, I can have grace for it. And also it's up to me to speak up when yeah. things don't feel good. And a lot of times I am within my rights to be a jerk. Yeah, <laughs> and, absolutely. And all of that, people are going to say stupid things because people don't know. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know either. Mm-hmm. So Until it happens, no. right? Until you're like, oh, yeah. wait a minute. No, that, that was not okay. Yeah. Yes. And, and with that, it's just a matter of like learning to properly listen to yourself mm-hmm. and learning to value your thoughts and your feelings and and act on that. You know, I have to do that first. I have to be my advocate first before I can really expect people to know how to navigate me. And mm. I've learned to be okay with that and not like resentful that there's like work right. <laughs> in right. being someone who's lost someone. Like there just is. And that's okay. Is this coming to you like intuitively or do you, have you gone through a lot of therapy? I go through a lot of therapy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I found my counselor, I don't know, a month or so after he died. And I've seen her weekly since. Um, I actually just went to bi-weekly um, because funds are a little low. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, the support that I get for her is honestly more often just to comfort than it is like we're trying to solve a big thing nowadays. Mm-hmm. It was a long time where it was like, impossible scenarios right and left and she was helping me untangle knots really rapidly there's lots of little the knots are coming a little less often now and still it's still good for me like to have that comfort to know that like if anything does happen like I have an appointment I see I see someone regularly my safe space like my person who has been in it the whole time um I go to a lot of therapy and I read a lot of therapy related books and some things have come intuitively, but most of it has been gifted to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. It's great. You found even a therapist that you connected with and Mm -hmm. like early on, because I think sometimes that's the hard part um, is finding someone who you actually like being around that often and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, or someone who gets you. So that's great. Yeah. Um, I know that your faith has 
that you um, have a very faithful life and um, faith-filled life. Has that changed throughout all of this or have you like I sometimes I can't believe it I'm like oh my god like how because I, I grew up um I grew up Christian and in the church and everything but um mm-hmm. it just I I don't know you know you put try to put myself in your shoes and I just keep thinking like I feel like I would be so angry like and just I don't know I don't know if I could keep it the way that you have mm-hmm. the way that you speak about it um has it evolved for you or is it, does it stay the same? Yeah, it has evolved. Um, so I was not raised in the church. My dad was raised Jewish. My mom was raised not really much of anything. So my upbringing was like, God's on the table if you want it, but there wasn't a lot of pressure and like, we didn't go to temple or anything like that regularly. And I became a Christian when I was 16. I'm super grateful that that's my story because as I've become an adult and kind of navigated faith culture more and more, I just kind of see that like there's, because there wasn't a ton ingrained in me, Mm -hmm. I have had a lot of space to ask questions and like my faith is mine. And, um, it's stronger because you chose it. I I, I I absolutely believe that. Cause mine was pressured on me. (laughs) And then I was like, I went through all these questions and then still, Still, I, uh, I, I have questions, but I'm not allowed to ask those questions in my family. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. I'm super protective of like Louie and like his experience won't be mine. Um, and also like I want him to know without a doubt, this is not an expectation for you. Like mm-hmm. I want you to, I need you to make your own decisions. Like I do not want you to have this moment where you wake up and you realize you don't believe any of the things you thought you did mm-hmm. and that these things were just like force fed through you. So all of that is, is just to say, like, I, I have asked a lot of questions, you know, the last two years, but also I think I already had a somewhat unique perspective of God in that, like, I never believed that he was a safe God. Like I did know that he lets bad things happen. I like, I feel like there's this, um, oh man, I can't remember the title of it, but like, there's this segment of Christianity that, um, prosperity gospel. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's like this, you know, you, if you just pray for good things, God will give you good things. If you pray for God to not give you bad things, he won't give you bad things. And this idea that like you can somewhat earn, a good life, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's through being donating a good person or, or um, yeah, or donating or and being a regular, mean, yeah. yeah, like being a regular church attendee and, you know, just really looking to look, mm-hmm. um, you know, and asking God for the right things and praying the right prayers. And like, I already knew that was bullshit. And so I didn't really have many moments of feeling abandoned And that's because I don't believe that God killed Hank. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't believe that God's will works that strictly. I don't think that he was like, I'm going to let this thing happen and there will be some sort of causation. I think that shit just happens. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that God doesn't have power, Um, but he doesn't smite people. Like he doesn't kill baby. That's not who God is. Mm -hmm. That's not God's will. Um, I very quickly was like, God didn't do that. He did let it happen, you know, and we have those conversations and and I am mad at him about that. And also 
I know that he's sad for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that he was just standing there saying, it was in the play on Bummer. Like he was saying, this is awful. This is horrible. This is not the way that it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I love you. I love him. Like, I think he was sad with me. And that's just a really different God than I feel is commonly talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like my faith has matured and, and I've wrestled with him in this year, like, and that's going to bring about intimacy, just like fights with my husband is going to bring about intimacy. You know, it's just part of having a relationship. Um, I think more a big thing is like I've grown to know my need so much more. Like when you are broken and shattered, like I know I'm going to I'm going to feel the need to like cling to him more and to be reading my Bible and talking to him, you know, like. I'm going to feel that need. So that's also going to grow my faith. And I don't know. I just think. Do your faith, do you feel your faith is stronger now actually because of how much you've needed to rely on God to find comfort and, and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yes and no. Um, It probably is. (laughs) <laughs> it felt like it was always pretty strong like since since you have decided like since you were 16 yeah. you decided that this is what you know you believe it sounds like it was always yeah. pretty strong I guess so yeah yeah and I mean there's one more thing that I was gonna say and I can't remember it now but do you yeah I think just like not believing in a God that holds certain promises. Like I was never promised safety or a good future or like a long life for me or my children. I was never promised that. What I was promised is that he'd be with me always. Mm-hmm. I know that. I knew that. I know that even more now, like I, and sometimes that's comforting and sometimes it feels not enough, you know, yeah. and I just hash it out with him. And in terms of like, trusting God. That's another thing that like sometimes triggers me. I'm like, well, what am I trusting him for? Right. Am I supposed to trust him to not let a bad thing happen to me? Guess what? He does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when am I supposed to be trusting? And I'm like, I mean, the trust is that he never leaves me. Like the trust is that he loves me all the while. Like the trust is that he's staying the same when all sorts of things change. Like sometimes that doesn't feel like enough. Mm-hmm. I think he's okay with that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do hold things up to him and say, I don't trust you with this. I know that I would like to, you know, like, I think that that's, I think he loves that. I think he loves that type of relationship. And that is how we've navigated this. It's just with some blunt honesty. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just because I, I believe in staying ultimately hopeful, but I, I feel like the way that I would, that I'm thinking about it is that when bad things happen, it's to make room somehow in your life for something else but I mean that just sounds callous when it when it comes to like death of a child that just that you can't I don't think yeah. there's a way you can make sense of it no you just have yeah. to yeah like some things are just shitty yeah and we can't like tie a pretty bow onto that and, and give it causation you know yeah. like yeah. you know sometimes bad things are just bad things yeah. sometimes bad things do lead to good things you know but I don't I think it's like the order of events there is what we have off. Like good things have happened since Hank died. Absolutely. But that's not why Hank died. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's just that I believe in a God with purpose and he can bring purpose in, into every part of life. But that's not to say he gave Hank's death purpose. That is still just a bad thing. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. But. It does. Okay, <laughs> well, I have to say, you sound like the healthiest person who's had to grieve this um, completely, you know. Um, I appreciate that. So I am happy that you're in this place in your life right now. And um, I think you're just such a beautiful person, beautiful artist. Um, I don't know if we didn't talk enough about the fiber art part, but um, we did you know, the time, but this is good, I think. Yeah, I think so. Just, um, you know, I only wish for good things for you. And I'm so Thank happy you. that we finally got a chance to really chat. And um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a amazing story. And um, yeah, I'm really excited for your next year and all the Thank things you. you're going to do and announce and all that stuff. <laughs> I'm excited for you and finding your voice again and being uncomfortable and all of our sales are going to go back up. It's just going to yeah, happen. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, let's hope I get some balls. I don't know. Like I, um, even with the Instagram stuff, it's like, just, I'm like, I'm like that, the, the, um, I don't know, stereotypical Asian who just won't, won't speak up. And I'm just like, oh no, I'm just going to be quiet over here and um, see what happens and be an observer. But it's like, you know what? Also, I was raised that way just to make sure yes. that I was, I, I wasn't, my, I was, my guy was always told to just, you know, blend in. And so mm -hmm. that's what I've been doing, you know, mm -hmm. but um, I think like sharing and like being vulnerable, being vulnerable in front of others, like it is a little bit like a muscle in that, like, you when you develop the habit and that becomes like part of your process the easier it gets and it is so hard like to start that because you don't yeah. know how to do it in your way um but you can like yeah. you can you can show up and like yeah. show who you are and not everyone's gonna like it yeah you know? I see like, I, that's the thing I can't deal with I cannot deal yeah. with criticism at all like I I can't deal with you know mean commenters not that I've had that many I had like one lady that like uh, I posted something about being in um, the Fold magazine, which is like a feminist magazine. And she was like, feminist my ass, like something like that. Oh, gosh. And I like immediately deleted the comment. And then I stupidly messaged, I messaged her and I was like, uh, good to see you don't support women. Like nice woman you are. You know, yeah. <laughs> she was like, yeah. no, feminism is bullshit because women get paid just as much as men and did it all this stuff. And I was like, oh, gosh, I'm like, why am I even having this conversation? But, you know, yeah. of course, I ruminated on it for like three days. Of and course. now I'm still this happened like two years ago and I still remember it. So clearly I'm not over I it. Mean, One bad comment. Don't, don't think that we don't all do that because I do. Casey is my is absolutely like my PR person. I filter so many things through him, especially when I'm heated. Like, okay, I know that we're closing this conversation. No, no, so we can keep this part short. But uh, so I had back in March when I had my like petty AF thing, when that lady was like super rude to mm -hmm. me. So when I was sharing about that, all of my videos and me telling that story, that was like the fifth take because yeah. Casey, I kept being like, okay, how about this? And he'd be like, you look crazy. You need to tone it down. <laughs> Find a way to bring humor into this because it is okay. Yeah. Like if you want to share about this and also 
share about it in a way that doesn't make people like ooh. Right. But also maybe, but maybe we should. That's the thing. I think the yes. ideal also, is to go been okay first if take. Dead. Yeah. First take, I'm this angry or I'm this hurt or I'm this crazy because I'm a human being and I have freaking emotions, you know? Um sorry, you cut out for Oh, I was just saying that like um maybe the ideal is to is to just do the first take and show how vulnerable and how angry and how the gamut of human emotions yes. that we have, you know, maybe we should stop yep. editing so much. I say this with, maybe I say this, but I for sure edit everything. There's no way I'm going to put out first take, you know, but I wish I could. I'm like, I'm so in awe of all yep. the people who can be outspoken and be the things that also make me cringe because I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. but they fucking, they, they own it. They own themselves mm-hmm. 100% and they don't yep. care. They do not give a shit. And I want to be that person. I just mm-hmm. – it's so hard. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. It's so hard because You're I can't not there take, yet. Yeah. I'm super sensitive. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, me too. Yeah. yeah. But that's okay. I mean, I think that that would be part of it. It's like, yes, it would be helpful if we were just real humans all the time. Like mm-hmm. how many – conversations where we just get over with instead of like being around the bush and what you know and like being honest with our questions too mm-hmm. and not worrying about like am I asking this the wrong way am I asking this in an offensive way like maybe say that I'm afraid of being offensive can I mm-hmm. ask this question and you can you can be honest back you can tell me don't ever articulate that again you know yeah, yeah. like if we were just so fully honest in that way it would be so helpful. I know. Even this conversation so with disagree. you, I wanted to ask you a year ago and be like, I yeah. really want to talk about what you're going through. But I was like, I can't ask her that. She's mourning. You know, like I did. So I didn't well, even- you were, we had a relationship. <laughs> like I've done podcast interviews with people that like didn't know me. So yeah. like, I, uh, yeah, I get that. And like, get that. Like you pursuing me for a conversation like that is kind of different than like a lot of other people right, right. on the internet. Yeah, yeah. No, but even then, I was like, so, of course, this is delayed, you know, a year and a half or whatever, because I'm like, no, I'm just going to – I seriously have thought about it every other day for the last year (laughs) of being like, but I don't want to talk to her. I don't know. I need to get out of my own way. There's a little bit of that in all of us, but I'm glad we've had it, no matter what the timing is. And, you know, our conversation today would have looked different six months ago. That's true. You got this one instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I loved every minute of it, honestly. And, thanks. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks for coming on. and um, you know, Thanks for having me. I will see you on the internet. And um, will see you. obviously, if you ever need to reach out or anything, and just feel free always. I appreciate that. All right. Well, All right. Talk see to you ya. later. Bye. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. Check the show notes of each episode to get the website and Instagram for each of the fiber artists I speak with. Be sure to give them a follow. And you can view video from this podcast on naromastudio.com slash the fiber artist podcast. If you enjoy the fiber artist podcast, go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.